The Infernal Bodyguard Written by Santalatron Read by Literarian Chapter 3 In at the Deep End For the rest of the day, Crowley avoided the dining room as much as possible. It seemed everyone was used to eating at erratic times, so it was fairly simple to make sure he was never alone in there with either Alistair or Tracy. Pepper turned out to be an easy meal companion, however. She was quite content to chatter endlessly at him while he ate and was surprisingly unfazed by his speed of consumption. Crowley mused that she'd probably match him if she ever stopped talking long enough. He mentioned it while they were eating breakfast the next day, when he'd managed to get a word in edgeways. Now, my three best mates are boys, and they're pretty similar. Too keen to get back out on the track. Track? You race? He said with genuine interest. Yep, she grinned at him. We're a karting team, Adam, Wensleydale, Brian and I. Everyone calls us them, T-H-E-M, and Adam decided it means track and horizon eating machines. He's the fastest in our team, proper speed demon. They nicknamed him the Antichrist because you know when he arrives, it's all over. Oh, do you all have nicknames then? Crowley asked. Nah, just Adam, although we call Wensleydale Wensley for short. He's the tactician, studies every track in minute detail and lets us know the precise speed and angle for each turn. He's really smart, unlike Brian who keeps getting pulled over for messy driving. He gets really grumpy because he thinks he's God's gift to racing, but in reality he's a sloppy driver. Not the automotive messiah then. Crowley quipped. Ha! No, just a very naughty boy on the track. She grinned back. And you? Crowley asked. I'm the secret weapon, Pepper said smugly. Drivers that know me know to stay well out of my way. Those that don't see a girl and assume I'm no threat to them. They get one hell of a shock when they see me screaming down the track at them like a Valkyrie. She took a forceful bite out of her toast, still grinning at him. Noted. Don't mess with the warbird in her chariot. He nodded, returning her grin. So, how did you end up here? Not exactly Formula One, is it? He asked. Nah, but the pay and benefits are excellent and Alistair is a dream to work for. To be honest, I wasn't expecting to get this job. Adam applied initially, and I just threw my hat in for a laugh, but it turns out Mr. F prefers to hire women. Crowley froze for a moment as he thought about what he overheard the other day, but fortunately she didn't notice. Turns out he had a couple of crappy relationships and got fed up of men, so now surrounds himself with women to avoid the complication. Apparently his ex treated him quite badly. You're the first bloke we've had stay in the house for as long as I've been here, but I guess he needed the best. Crowley's thought process stumbled a bit. Fed up of men. 
Oh, yeah, Alistair is gayer than a tree full of monkeys on nitrous oxide. Haven't you read his books? I knew he was targeted by someone with a homophobic agenda, Crowley said, hissing. He had his own reasons to feel extremely angry about that type of attack. I assumed it was something in his books. Yep, not a heterosexual bone in his body. That a problem? Pepper said, watching him carefully with more steel in her voice. What? No, couldn't care less, Crowley said, as nonchalantly as possible, with a dismissive wave of his hand, forcing himself to calm down. While it certainly put his mind to rest over what sort of man surrounded himself with women like this, it did throw a big question mark over what he had actually overheard yesterday in the dining room. Good, she said firmly. Right, I'm off to tinker with the chariot. See you at family lunch later. And she whirled around and sped off before Crowley could ask what family lunch meant. And so Crowley had a lot to puzzle over as he completed his checks of the fence and security systems. Once he was satisfied that everything was still in full working order, he retreated down to his room. He was happy enough letting Uriel guard Alistair in the house, he could probably trust her here, and so he decided it would be a good time to try the shower. He took off his jacket, grabbed the fluffy white towel and his phone, and headed upstairs to the bathroom on the floor above. It was a small but surprisingly well-equipped bathroom, and while the shower was a more reasonable size than his extravagant one at home, it was by no means cramped. Once there, he kicked off his socks and shoes, peeled off his tight black trousers and boxes, and unbuttoned his dark grey shirt, slipping it off his arms before folding it neatly. He never wore a tie, too easy for it to be used against him. He put his sunglasses down on the little shelf below the mirror, hung his towel by the shower door, and, with only half a glance at his reflection in the mirror, went to grab his shower gel. Bugger, left it downstairs. Crowley thought for a minute. He couldn't be bothered with the hassle of getting back into his trousers just to dash downstairs, so wrapped his towel loosely around his waist and peered out of the door. The garage door was shut, and seeing nobody else, he dashed quickly back out to the entrance hall, aiming for the basement stairs. Just as he got to the middle of the hall, the door to the drawing room opposite opened, and Alistair stepped out. They both froze as he saw Crowley stood there in just a towel. Wide grey eyes, Crowley was sure they were blue last time he saw them, flicked down at his slender, naked torso and the towel clutched low around his hip, clearly of their own accord, before making their way back to his own golden-brown eyes. His very uncovered eyes, he realized as he pictured his sunglasses back in the bathroom. Somehow that made him feel more naked than his lack of clothing. They both spoke at the same time. Oh, Sorry, good I was Lord. just... Um... 
The tension in the air was so thick that Crowley could barely breathe. His body felt simultaneously hot and cold, although the tiles were definitely cold under his feet. He thought back to what Pepper had told him that morning, realizing that he was half naked, or right, mostly naked, just as he noticed a rosy flush heading up Alistair's neck. It really was rather a lovely shade of pink. Lunch, Alistair blurted out. With me, us, all of us. Today, it's family lunch day. We all get together once a week to have lunch out, and this week it's my turn to choose the location. I wasn't sure if you'd been properly invited, so um, now you have. We head out at 11.30, he said, his voice sounding higher pitched than normal, and his gaze darting between Crowley's face and spots of wall very definitely above him eyes definitely not venturing below neck level, no matter how hard they tried. Right. Okay. Sounds good. I'll, um, sorry, just forgot shower gel, he said, pointing vaguely toward the stairs down to his room. Quite, yes. Don't let me hold you. Up. Yes, don't let me hold you up uh, from getting your shower gel. Ha, <laughs> terribly sorry. Alistair managed to fumble out, his voice strained. Neither of them moved for what felt like an hour, but was really only about a minute, before Crowley awkwardly sidestepped away. He heard a soft, muffled gasp as he turned, before remembering that his back was bare. He usually warned people before they saw the scars. He tried his best to walk as normally as he was able to, which, to be fair, wasn't much, as he made for the safety of the stairs, but his legs had decided that they had a mind of their own. The natural sway of his hips was causing the towel to slip, and it was all he could do to just get himself away. He waited until he heard Alistair's footsteps take him up the stairs in the other direction before he ventured back out towards the bathroom again, this time with shower gel in hand and towel firmly secured higher on his waist. Alistair knew he shouldn't, but he was a martyr to most forms of decadence, and right now... Standing on the landing, looking down over the entrance hall as Crowley slipped out towards the shower again, was about as dangerously decadent as he could be. He knew he shouldn't tempt himself by stealing another look, but the man was utterly sublime to the point of being unfair. Lean and toned in such a way that Alistair had been able to see every movement of every muscle beneath his skin. The man was, between the intriguing scars and the tantalizing glimpse of a colorful tattoo on his hip, where the towel slipped as he sauntered away, quite simply breathtaking. And yet Crowley had been avoiding him yesterday. He obviously thought very little of him, and Alistair knew he couldn't put himself through that again. 
Crowley was clearly one of those effortlessly cool bad boys that movies always warned you about, and Alistair didn't need the trouble that came with them. No matter how much he really, really wanted it. A quiet cough alerted him to the fact that Uriel had come out of her room at the other side of the landing. She looked at him with one eyebrow slightly raised. Everything all right? she asked. Yes, my dear, sorry, got distracted. Thinking about eating out. Lunch. Thinking about where to go for lunch, I mean he said, and quickly sped off up the next two flights of stairs to his room before she could respond. Shortly before half eleven, they all gathered by the bottom of the stairs. Uriel was watching Crowley where he slouched against the banister with no attempt at hiding her hostility, while Anathema, Tracy and Pepper were quietly discussing where they thought they might be going this time. Alistair came down the stairs with his hands clasped gently behind his back, purposefully avoiding looking at a now, unfortunately, far more dressed Crowley. Ah, wonderful! Everyone ready? Michael is staying back today to sort some press stuff, she said. I thought we'd go to the club, the one in Mayfair. Little house, Alistair said brightly. Awesome, I'm having a burger. To the Bentley, Pepper cheered before thrusting one hand in the air and leading the way. Wait, Crowley said suddenly and with enough force that everyone stopped. He continued quietly. While we're out of the house, I'm in charge. What I say goes. Understood? He looked at each one in turn, and they nodded. Uriel was reluctant, but under the watchful eyes of the others, she acquiesced as well. Finally, Crowley looked towards Alistair, and he sighed and nodded. Alistair realized that whatever he had been trying to see from their little encounter earlier must have been a figment of his overindulgent imagination. Crowley was nothing but professional now, as if none of it had ever happened. He felt a little foolish, but resolved to enjoy their lunch, following the rest of them out to the car. Crowley knew that there could be no messing around now. Now he was on duty and he needed to get his shit together. He strode out first, making sure everyone got into the car. It wasn't far to Mayfair, but with an active threat, cars were safer than walking. Tracy and Uriel were to go ahead in a taxi, while he accompanied Alistair, Anathema and Pepper in the Bentley. Crowley walked out to the waiting black cab with Tracy and Uriel. I'm relying on you to do recon ahead of our arrival, Uriel. Think you can handle that? He said to her. She merely sneered in response and got in the taxi. Before heading back to the Bentley, 
Crowley checked up and down the street for anything suspicious, noting the cars parked there, then headed back through the opening drive gates. I'll sit in the back with Alistair. You can have shotgun, Anathema, he said, all the while looking all around them. He waited for Alistair to climb in before following him. Anathema then pushed the seat back and climbed in herself. Crowley was concentrating on their surroundings and staying upright in the car. Pepper could certainly drive, but she had a tendency to drive the Bentley as if it were her go-kart rather than a classic piece of automotive history. Her driving style was most definitely in the offensive category, and Crowley resolved to take her out for a drive soon to teach her some defensive driving tactics and the finer points of a double-clutch gearbox. He was hyper-focusing on the space outside the car so much that he forgot to pay attention to the inside of the car, and as Pepper went round a bend, he slammed his hand down on the seat next to him to keep himself upright. Right on top of Alistair's hand. Alistair just about managed not to jump out of the seat and glanced sideways at Crowley. He didn't seem to have noticed where he'd put his hand, or, thankfully, Alistair's reaction to it. Alistair felt like every single sense in his body was now utterly focused on the skin on the back of his hand, where Crowley's was resting on it. The club wasn't too far, though, so very quickly they were outside and Crowley removed his hand to lean forward to check Uriel and Tracy were there before letting Pepper unlock the doors for them to get out. As Alistair was climbing out, still thinking about the way his hand felt now, he looked up to see Crowley looking at him with one hand extended and he felt his heart miss a bit. He so badly wanted to rip off those infernal sunglasses and see those unique eyes beneath. He'd caught a glimpse of them earlier and had been stunned at how expressive they were. He wondered what emotion they were expressing now. Interest? Affection? Something darker? Coming, Crowley said, tearing Alistair from his fantasies with a bump. I'd rather not stand out here all day. Yes, of course, he mumbled, all too aware that he had been staring for slightly longer than was appropriate. They headed into the reception area, where Uriel was waiting with a very self-satisfied expression on her face. No visible threats she said to Crowley as they approached. But this club only allows four guests per member. Guess you'll have to wait here. As they reached the desk, the receptionist greeted Alistair warmly. Mr. Fell, so wonderful to see you again. And your usual four guests, he said, taking his membership card to scan. Anathema was busy signing them all in on the other side. Yes, my dear, and today I will have Mr. Crowley with me too. Is that a problem? Alistair said nervously. 
The receptionist turned to Crowley. Not at all. Wonderful to see you again, Mr. Crowley. Do you have your card with you by any chance? Crowley took out his wallet and handed his card over whilst smiling his most winning smile at Uriel, who just scowled in response. Crowley had spent many long hours in most of the private members' clubs in London on various assignments. He tended to be employed by people who preferred the more exclusive nature of a club, and over the years he had ended up becoming a member to most of them himself. It was tactically convenient to have these semi-safe houses all over the place. Oh, how fortunate! I don't suppose there's a table in the dining room, Free? Alastair asked with a devastatingly charming twinkle in his eyes. By some miracle, there is, the receptionist responded after checking his screen. We had a cancellation this morning, but you do know next time you really should book. Your miraculous luck is sure to fail someday, he said with a smile as they all headed through to the dining room. Crowley went ahead, carefully looking around from behind his sunglasses, surveying the area as they walked through. He knew the layout of this club quite well from all his previous visits, but it had been a while since he was last there, so he didn't know all the staff this time around, and it was unnerving. Usually he worked with planned outings, where he'd been able to go in advance and make sure there was nothing unexpected. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw a man approaching Alistair, looking very purposeful. Not in staff uniform, so he had to be a civvy. He darted in front of them so fast that it made Alistair jump. Crowley had a hand on the other man's chest and a snarl on his face. The other man was shorter than Crowley, and his rotund body did nothing to aid the matter. He was bald and had a very determined look in his eyes that Crowley really didn't care for. They stared at each other for quite some time. Anathema looked at him curiously, a spark of recognition trying to ignite in her brain. Really, Crowley? Alistair finally cut in, irritation getting the better of him. I think you can stand down. You've made your point. What can we do for you? He said in far softer tones, looking at the man. You're Alistair Fell, aren't you? He said. Everything about his tone of voice was igniting Crowley's sense of danger. It was monotone, verging on smarmy, and sounded rehearsed. I'm sorry to bother you, but I missed you at your last signing, and as I have my copy with me today, I was wondering if I could trouble you to sign it for me. Crowley didn't move, his hand still firmly on the man's chest and his body shielding Alistair. He didn't like this one bit. But unfortunately, Alistair was the boss. Of course, my dear, Alistair said, stepping around Crowley. Here, do you have a pen? Oh, wonderful. 
And what name am I putting in it? Sandalfon, if you'd be so kind, the man said, still watching Crowley. Ah, a biblical name. How wonderful. Here you go, Alastair said cheerfully, handing the book and pen back to him. Alastair gave Crowley an angry glance before walking off to where the waiter was hovering by their table, a horseshoe-shaped booth in the corner. Crowley hovered back to make sure this sandal von Feller didn't try his luck. You want to watch it with him, sandal von said, the sneer in his voice coming through more clearly as he looked Crowley over. His lot caused a lot of... Trouble. His face twisted into a full sneer before he turned, clutching his book, and left. Crowley watched him as he walked right out of the club and onto the street beyond. So, now he had a suspect. Later, he would make some calls. When he joined the others at the table, the ladies had slid into the booth seating and Alastair was occupying the chair on the edge. Crowley gave his drink order to the hovering waiter, cranberry juice, before sitting down on the edge of the booth to Alastair's left, where he could get a good view of the restaurant and an unimpeded exit, should he require it. It also meant he had space to let his legs sprawl out, as they usually did, with one arm on the back of the booth. He held the menu up as if he was studying it, but used the opportunity to inspect the diners around them from behind his sunglasses. He'd learned fairly early on that it was always useful to watch other people when they didn't know you were doing it. On the tables around them, he could see mostly professional types, groups of adults, the occasional two people. No children today. As he finished his evaluation of the restaurant, the waiter returned with their drinks and to take their order. As per protocol, he looked to the ladies first before turning to Crowley, who casually glanced at the menu before ordering a steak. Rare. At least with Pepper here, he wouldn't be so out of place when he ate quickly. And I'll have the crepes, as usual, please, Alastair said with a beaming smile. Crowley briefly melted under its radiance before he remembered he was working and pushed the feeling deep down where it couldn't be a nuisance. Didn't see those in the menu. Did I miss the specials board? Crowley asked as the waiter left. Alistair turned his radiant smile on him and he felt his palms start to sweat, which was ridiculous. Oh no, dear boy. The chef here knows I adore them, so he makes them specially for me whenever we come. He gave a happy little wiggle, which Crowley was aghast to discover left him with a strange urge to squeeze him. He's a grown man getting excited about food. What the fuck is wrong with me? Crowley thought. He's such a dear, Alastair said wistfully. For some reason, 
Crowley didn't share the sentiment. For some reason, he was inclined to think otherwise, and it bothered him. He had no reason to think ill of the chef, and yet here he was, taking an instant dislike to someone he'd never met. Alistair turned to talk to Uriel, and Crowley felt a light touch on his arm. He turned to see Tracy leaning over to him, looking conspiratorial, so he leaned towards her. You have seen Alistair eating before, haven't you? She asked very quietly. You're aware of how much he enjoys his food? She was looking at him very intently, gorging his response. Just beyond her, Anathema and Pepper were surreptitiously paying him a lot of attention. He decided honesty was the best policy. I guessed he loved his food from the wiggle, but I don't think I've seen him eat yet, no, he said. Tracy's face morphed into a coy smile as Anathema and Pepper shared a look he couldn't decipher. Their eyes were full of mirth at whatever private joke they weren't sharing with him. Not to worry, dearie, just don't make a fuss of it, there's a lamb, she said, twitching her nose before sitting back, leaving him perplexed and wary. Shortly, the food arrived, and with it another radiant smile and wiggle from Alistair. Crowley had finally relaxed to the point he felt safe enough to start on his food, so he was looking at his plate, having just put a piece of steak in his mouth, when Alistair took his first bite of his crepes. The groan of satisfaction that erupted caused Crowley to bite his tongue and swiftly thank anyone and everyone listening for his sunglasses. Again. Are you quite all right, Crowley? Alastair asked, eyeing him with concern. The others were eyeing him with a different sentiment. Yeah, yeah, just bit my tongue. I'll be fine, he mumbled out, pointing at his mouth. He thought back to what he had overheard in the garden. Then he thought a bit harder about Tracy's question. Oh, bollocks. Three of the other occupants of the table were looking at him with varying degrees of mirth. Uriel somehow remained impassive throughout the whole thing, merely sneering at him. Alastair took another bite of crepe, and another moan accompanied it. At least this time Crowley had seen it coming, but it still made it very hard to concentrate on his food. Difficult for fuck's sake. His throat felt very dry and he took a gulp of his drink, but the cranberry juice didn't help much. He did his best to ignore what was happening next to him and thankfully it wasn't quite as uninhibited as the last time he experienced it, but it still had the older group at the next booth shooting them disapproving looks. 
shooting him disapproving looks, as if he had anything to do with whatever this was. Fuck, it's warm in this restaurant. Crowley glanced around at the other diners. Some looked uncomfortable, but the table directly behind Alistair had two slightly older men, all dressed in black, stifling giggles into their beards. One raised a large, wide-brimmed black hat to cover his face as he whispered something to the other that had his shaggy grey hair shaking with silent mirth. Another salacious moan had Crowley's attention snapped back to the man next to him again. He hailed a waiter. Some water, with ice, for the table, please, he croaked out. My goodness, Crowley, are you all right? You look very warm, Alistair asked, noticing his distressed state. Yes, perfectly fine. Just wish I'd worn less. Layers. Fewer layers. I'll know for next time. Fuck. He had been in some pretty intense situations over the years, but this topped them all. He could handle life-or-death decisions. He would jump in front of his client without a second thought, but apparently a few explicit sounds from those plump lips were enough to have him panicking into his rump steak. Why did it have to be rump? Alastair's audible enjoyment of his food may have been more restrained in public, but somehow Crowley found that even more arousing. A situation not helped at all by now knowing what facial expression accompanied the noises. The satisfied smile, the fluttering eyelashes, the tongue darting out to lick those luscious pink lips between mouthfuls. It was obscene, and Crowley was hating how much he was being utterly wrecked by it. Hating the vision swimming across his mind's eye of what that face might look like in true carnal bliss. It wasn't hard to imagine what those lips might look like on him, but it certainly didn't help right now. The conversation was carrying on across the table around the moaning, but Crowley couldn't follow it, let alone take part. He tried to look as if he was remaining alert for threats. He realized he was failing when he felt a timely kick to his left ankle and nearly dropped the fork that he had been hovering halfway to his mouth for who knows how long now. He quickly shoved the food into his mouth and tried to focus on getting through his meal without disgracing himself any further. Surely he must know what he's doing, he thought. Or is this just another thing they haven't told him? Alastair was the last to finish his meal, finally setting his cutlery down with a sigh and dabbing his mouth delicately with his napkin, and somehow even that was extraordinarily erotic. The waiter appeared again, as if by magic. Would you care for the pudding menu? he asked. 
Oh, Peter, you know what I like. What do you recommend? Alistair asked with a glint in his eye and a conspiratorial grin. Crowley groaned internally. He didn't know if he could take another course. We have a chocolate and brioche bread and butter pudding on at the moment. Would that suffice? The waiter said, returning the glint. Perfect, Alistair beamed, turning back to the table. Does everyone like the sound of that? he asked. There was a general chorus of agreement until the waiter turned to Crowley. Not much of a sweet tooth, just some black coffee for me, he said, taking the opportunity to adjust his position now the source of his discomfort had quieted down. Alastair looked slightly disappointed, but rallied with a smile as the waiter left. Anathema and Pepper were mirroring his dismayed expression, Tracy merely had one eyebrow raised, and Uriel just looked bored. Did you enjoy your steak, then? Alastair asked Crowley lightly. It's all right, he said with a frown. It was all he could manage right now. He hadn't really thought too much about how it tasted at the time, mostly just trying to get it down. Although the meaty texture on his tongue had added an extra dimension to this experience that would make him think twice about eating steak in company again. Crowley hadn't quite managed to get his body under control by the time the puddings arrived. He gulped down his coffee, focusing on the bitter taste. Alastair had dived into his pudding with a gleeful abandon, and if anything, the sounds had only got worse, deepening in tone as he savoured the chocolate. My word! Alastair said breathlessly and slightly muffled as he still had food in his mouth. This is simply superb. You have to try some, Crowley, he exclaimed, and Crowley realized with horror that Alastair was holding his spoon laden with gooey chocolate brioche out to him. Everyone around him seemed to stop as he tried and failed to remain professional. He hesitated long enough for Alistair's eyebrows to start creeping together and up, and he knew he couldn't let that happen, so he leaned forward and wrapped his mouth around the spoon. He realized with a jolt that went straight down to his now reawakening member that Alistair was avidly watching his lips as he drew the spoon out, and that he was showing just a hint of blushing. Fuck. Crowley rolled the pudding around his mouth. It was indeed rather good if you liked that sort of thing. Everyone at the table was looking at him expectantly. Not bad. Too sweet for me, though. I generally prefer something with a bit more bite, he said, picking up his coffee, again noting the general consensus that that wasn't the right thing to say. 
but he wasn't here to flirt. He was here to protect, and feelings just got in the way of that. He frowned at Anathema, but she just rolled her eyes and turned back to Pepper. Unfortunately, Alistair carried on wantonly vocalizing his enjoyment of his pudding, and Crowley realized halfway through his coffee that he had made a bad choice. He'd forgotten that caffeine was a stimulant, and the last thing he needed right now was more stimulation. It was all he could do not to rock into his jeans for fuck's sake. By the time Alistair finished again, with another ridiculously erotic sigh and napkin dab, Crowley was leaning forward with one elbow on the table. He'd brought his left foot up to rest on his right knee and was flicking the hanging foot around in the air in a rather agitated manner. Mercifully, there was a sufficient gap between this and the bill being paid that Crowley was able, with significant effort, to get his body back under control enough not to be embarrassed when he had to stand up. The ride back to the house was fairly uneventful. Tracy rode back with them this time and chatted away to Pepper as she drove. Crowley kept his gaze out of the window next to him and his hands in his lap, letting the mindless cityscape moving past calm him down. Crowley only had to help Alistair a little bit to work out how to get back in past the new security system, and when they all dispersed inside, he turned to Crowley with a defeated expression. I'm sorry lunch was so dull for you, my dear. Hopefully we'll find some more exciting activities to make your stay with us more interesting, he said sadly, before turning to the stairs and heading up to the library. Uriel shouldered him roughly on her way past, following Alistair. Crowley just stood with his mouth open in the empty entrance hall, before making his way down to his own room to give himself a very thorough talking to and then phone some people. Dull? Alistair kept to himself in the library for the rest of the afternoon, choosing to take his evening meal up there too. He had been so looking forward to Crowley joining their weekly family meal and had been so disappointed when he didn't seem to join in with any of the conversation. The one thing he did do was leap on that poor man who just wanted a signature. Alistair knew his books were divisive, but he so desperately wanted to be accepted by people and Crowley jumping on innocent fans was not going to help. Frankly, the man had done nothing but be rude and take over his house so far and Alistair was starting to wonder why he agreed to have him around in the first place and thinking guiltily about skin-tight black trousers and a roguish smile. Anathema had reminded him that he had a book signing coming up in a few days, and he decided that he would see how Crowley behaved there. 
if he didn't show some of his much-talked-about skill, then he would ask him to leave. Regardless of his own selfish desires, he wouldn't let anyone take over his life like that. He didn't care how breathtakingly gorgeous they were, how the way they moved was utterly sinful, or how the way his voice made Alistair feel all light and fluttery, yet completely weak at the same time, or... Oh, dear. Feeling even more conflicted, I don't even know if he's interested in men. Alastair settled in with a book to take his mind off the upcoming signing. A bit of Wodehouse always cheered him up. If only he could stop bestowing the characters with golden brown eyes and flaming hair. Crowley put his coat back on and wandered back out into the front garden with his phone in hand. He scrolled to tea, found Tyler, and tapped the green icon. Hey, RP. Yep, it's Crowley. Yep, I am. Listen, I'm on a job here and could do with some of your investigative skills. If I send you some letters, do you think you could see what you could get off them? And I have a potential name, too, which might help your search. Sandalfon. Yep, nasty piece of work, Harpy, and I'm coming to you because you're the best. Yeah, I know. I'll owe you one. Add it to the tab. Cheers. Ciao. Feeling a bit more in control, he headed back in to find Anathema and the letters, and hopefully a plan of what was coming up in the next week, so next time he could feel a bit more prepared. In the meantime, he needed to work Alistair out a bit more. The man was a mystery. He'd clearly misunderstood what was going on in the dining room that day, but to be fair, who the hell eats like that? Let alone in public. He'd done all he could with background. Maybe it was time to delve a bit inside the mind of the author. And he knew just how to go about it. Alistair was a terrible sleeper. Always had been. So it wasn't unusual for him to pad down to the library at all hours of the night to get a book to occupy himself with. This time, however, as he walked quietly in, he got a bit of a shock. His Chesterfield sofa was currently occupied by a languishing Crowley. But the biggest shock was that Crowley seemed to be halfway through one of his own books. The man was laying on the sofa, head on one end, legs sprawled dangerously far apart with socked feet hanging one over the back and one draped down to the floor. He had Alastair's book resting on his chest and seemed to be staring out the darkened window, but Goodness knows what he could see with those ridiculous sunglasses on still. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. 
Alistair said quietly, drawing his robe about himself protectively, but Crowley didn't even acknowledge him. Alistair felt himself becoming upset by the rude behaviour when he heard a soft snore and realised that Crowley was fast asleep. His heart melted as he took in the scene. Crowley must have liked the book to have kept going to the point of slumber. There was an empty tumbler on the table next to him, so Alistair crept quietly over, gently removed the book and his sunglasses, placing both on the table by the glass, and covered Crowley with a spare tartan blanket that he kept stashed behind the sofa. He found the book he had come looking for and turned the lamp off, allowing himself one more luxurious look at the vulnerable, sleeping form of his bodyguard in the moonlight that was streaming through the window. Crowley's face had relaxed into a lovely, genuine smile that he hadn't seen before, and he realized that he was going to find a way of seeing it again. Sleep well, dear boy. I hope you dream of whatever you like best, he said softly. He stopped short of giving him a kiss to his forehead, realizing that if he did wake up, it would be hard to explain, but his heart was warmed by the possibility that Crowley might not dislike him as much as it appeared. Alistair headed back up to his bed and was soon fast asleep himself. Crowley woke up early the next morning with an awfully stiff neck, slightly disturbed that someone had apparently removed his sunglasses and put a blanket over him in the night without him noticing. He'd had strange dreams, all wrapped up in the plot of the book, but they had been pleasant, which made a change. He was going to regret falling asleep on the sofa, but that was a problem for later. Right now, he needed a shower, fresh clothes, and to make good on his promise to Pepper.